You're listening to The Real Foster Parents of Colorado. I'm Hope, and I started Foster Together Colorado to meet the needs I saw in my first three years as a foster mom. My theory, and it's proven true so far, is that if we make it easy to learn about the human stories of foster care, then good-hearted Coloradans will be ready to help in simple ways. This is the only podcast focused on foster parenting or child welfare in Colorado. Our goal is to make foster care fascinating by neighbor-to-neighbor stories and living room conversations. This podcast is the next best thing to meeting a foster parent in real life and asking them all those questions. How do you make it work? Don't you get attached? What's it like when they leave? This is episode five. I'm sharing my story of foster parenting right alongside my husband, Kyle, and he's our main interviewer for today. And I also want you all to check out, though we mentioned it at the end, fostertogether.co slash dad, and we're running a special program just for Father's Day there. Today, I actually want to interview my husband, Kyle, who is the foster dad I know best in um, Colorado, actually, believe it or not. And he's here with me today. Hello, Kyle. Hi. And we want to talk about, I want to ask him a few questions because I've told my side of our story on the blog and people can read that at fostertogether.co slash blog slash failed, F-A-I-L-E-D. You can guess what that one's about. Um, But I wanted to ask him what his side of the story is. And I also want to talk about what he thinks foster dads need from each other and what he's seen in the foster care community for dads that is great and what is lacking and why that matters. Because, you know, it, it might seem kind of funny. Like I said in last week's post, it might seem kind of funny to focus on the foster dads as a specific group. But, you know, if we are just normally talking about foster parents, but honestly, a lot of things just do come from the foster mom perspective, because that's who tends to write and talk about it. But why is it important to really talk to and with and about foster dads and what they need? So before we talk about all that, I want to hear, I want to start with the big guns. I want to hear your side of the story of our first time as foster parents, which um, was not a great success, but we kept going after that. We had two more kids after... um, we fostered our first two. and But I want to talk about that first time. What would you say was good about that? What would you say went wrong? And what would you say you as a foster dad and a dad to our son at the same time, um, what did you take away from that experience? Absolutely. And of course, I have to thank Hope for inviting <laughs> me onto this podcast. I'm so excited. Okay, how cheesy and honored. can we get? Uh, well, we could do like HGTV show level. I mean, I think that's next step in our future, just the husband and wife team. Oh, yeah. You know, there's be, like uh, 10 what, of them already. Chip and, Chip and JoJo. Chip and Dale or something like that. <laughs> um, HGTV is next in our future, no doubt, after this. I'm so grateful to be on. I do think, as I answer that question, and of course, thank you for throwing it all at me in question one, I do think it's probably important to give a little bit of context. Um, I think that we both went into foster care, uh, foster parents getting certified at, I would say, an equal level of commitment. I think that it wasn't like me dragging you along or you dragging me along. I think we were both really excited about it. I think we were both very committed uh, Mm -hmm. to it. and, and so I think that's important to, to remember here. And then also realizing that um, as 
a guy, it was very important for me to feel like I also was equally committing in the actual uh, parenting style, which, of course, as I answer this question, we'll find out is yes. probably really didn't happen, um, which which also, I think, makes, makes the answer, uh, gives it a little bit more context. So, of course, when this happened and we took our first uh, two kids, the sisters, um, we were, of course, in Denver, and it was at a time when I was building my own business. It was stable enough, obviously, uh, for a couple of years, which we determined was great timing to do foster care but then we moved up to Denver a new city a new home a new community and with that came our first foster care experience in addition to that at a time when my business was really growing I and you just, were still what first two just barely getting out of your second year well I, I had been doing it on my own uh for about two almost three years building at the time company. building my company but it was right basically before and right after, I had launched kind of a firm as uh, I, my business partner and I decided to go into business together, uh, a friend, and that really changed the dynamic of everything, which is why we were even going to be up in Denver versus down in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. And so all of that, mm-hmm. I think, paints a good context of what's going on. So obviously, I was working for myself. I felt like, well, okay, I, let's definitely take Take two. Like, why yeah. Why just one? I always tell people, we said, we already have a son. Yeah. We are the foster one kid. Why not two? Exactly. And so I want to be the excited dad and mm-hmm. say, I want to fully commit with you and, and um, the supportive part, husband. <laughs> and I was working part-time from home at that point, about 20 yeah. hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. Which is absolutely not to be overlooked. Uh, and so I really felt like... I felt like it was all my fault. Um, now, I really felt like I actually pushed for this sibling set. Um, obviously, we both decided, but I was pretty eager to say, I think this is going to work. This is absolutely going to happen because there's an the older girl, which is awesome. She's, you know... Um, self-sufficient. She can talk. She can... Doesn't have to have a diaper change. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, except sometime. <laughs> there was uh, always some issues. but um, And then the younger one was about our son's age. So I thought, wow, so the, the, the younger ones will play together. We can focus on the, um, we can focus on, you know, the older one uh, when we need to. And kind of what turned out to be this, this kind of idealistic expectation turned out to, to really be, the reality was totally the opposite mm-hmm. is what happened. And I think that for people who are just getting into foster parenting or thinking about foster parenting, I would, I would say that this is a great example of how I think a honeymoon phase is real. It's not always the case, but I think it's important to. And we did we did find out we had some pretty in. intense needs that we totally didn't anticipate with those kids. Absolutely, that we didn't know were even so on the radar. When I wouldn't we want people to hear this and think every kid in foster care is going to be as high needs as. Right. Yeah. Both. I mean, both of those things are, are really important to, to set expectations. But again, our expectation was different. It was our first time. Yep. You might say we were a little overeager. Way eager. Way eager. Um, Which is good. It is. And I think it's you... important to be excited. Um, and so I think that what my experience was here is we ended up uh, having a total wake up reality check slapped in the face slapped everywhere not by the Um, kids but by our own experience yeah right right. um where now 
everything was an emergency. Mm-hmm. Everything was underwater. Uh, one thing that, which is really funny if you think about saying we're going to go into foster care and I was excited about it, but one thing that was important to me at the time, <laughs> it's become less important to me, is this idea that, hey, if I can just be in control of the situation, like it can be really hard, but it'll be okay. Mm. And I, I quickly lost, as foster dad, mm-hmm. all control. Uh, I lost all control of staying on top of our home, mm-hmm. which is important to me. Like um, having some semblance of order, not even just clean, but just, I mean, it. I, I wish we could go back and maybe we do have some pictures of what it like, really actually, looked like. You would like. actually let people see those pictures? Um, yeah, I mean, as long as they listen to the interview first, (laughs) then they can, like, get unlocked the picture, like, picture now unlocked. For anyone who knows Kyle, that is a massive statement. Yeah, and we lived, of course, and this is also important in my answer, is, like, this, we lived in this (laughs) very upper, uh, middle class to actually upper class community, uh, in Denver, and... There were a lot of people that were very supportive, yeah. but in a Indeed. bless your heart kind mm-hmm. of way, and and we're super grateful for the neighbors that were more down to. There are a lot of there were a lot of people in the community that just were like, "Oh wow, that's a really nice thing to do." But I'm shocked you're doing that right here, mm-hmm. literally. Wow, right here, ne- next next right to this neighborhood. our house. Okay, that's different. Um, and so it and was the chaos was not contained in our four walls. No, it spilled out a little bit. It it did spill out. Um, yeah. Fairly diapered children running. And just just people walking by and like, okay, who are who are these these are not normal people in our in our neighborhood. Right. We were definitely breaking the uh, or at least for for them I feel like the all the all the societal rules yeah. uh, that we had to follow. Really, truly every one of them. So that was that was bothering me obviously because yeah. I also like to play by those rules. I'm a public relations guy. I mean right. bad PR. So you like control and I mean I will say not in a abusive or horrible way, but like you like to be in control of things and you like to be um, perceived well. Yeah, people. no, I mean and I image think those is two important. Were big struggles for you. Yeah. And I think that most foster parents would laugh at this, like, oh, image, yeah. image is important to you? Okay. I know. <laughs> like, who are well, you? Well, I remember after after that experience, our home super- supervisor came to me and she said, you know, I was like, oh, thanks for telling me. She's like, you know, people like you and Kyle are not usually the <laughs> people who do very well in foster care. <laughs> and and part of that was like a big relief to me. Another part was like, oh, really? Okay, yeah. well, let me just show you. Because she's like, you know, you guys are like career people right. and you're kind of... Right orderly and used to things that work well and used to systems that what like what you put in a you get out b yes and um you do college credits you get a degree whatever it is yes and foster care doesn't always work that way so you have to be willing to let things go out of control absolutely in a a way so obviously the answer is you know somewhat somewhat long here but again i think kind of tying this back so so we immediately I, i within a matter of like 10 days control loss, buried underwater. And I felt like um, as uh, as a human, first and foremost, you know, but but as a foster dad, I didn't even really know any other foster dads, uh, specifically any foster mm-hmm. parents, where I had like a good relationship, um, you know, to go to. And I, did, I and, felt and like... I couldn't go and ask like, okay, is this normal? Is this going to go away after two weeks? Are we going to like find our rhythm? Did you ever experience this? Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and so obviously the uh, the buried nature, the underwater nature, I felt like every day I was waking up to the same endless challenge. Mm-hmm. Nothing was going to change. Every single day they were with us and we were with them. 
it was just a constant struggle. It was even a struggle when we were sleeping. It was a struggle for our son when he was sleeping. He went from sleeping all through the night to getting up 10 to 12 times mm -hmm. at night, just, I think, because he was also very affected by it. Um, and I just felt like I could never actually climb out on top of it, or even better, just like get up above water for a breath, mm -hmm. even before I was just constantly being towed under. And I think that was the biggest thing that then affected me in these significant ways that you mentioned, which is for the first time in my life, mm -hmm. and I mean, you can you can back me up because I'm sure most people won't, won't believe this when I say it, like, yeah. I have never been angry. Mm -hmm. I just, I've never been an angry person. I've never struggled with this idea of, um, you know, like bitterness or fr like constant frustration and uh, never been reactionary even. Um, I've always been pretty cool, cool headed. And I was angry. Like I became actually angry. I remember um, specifically one time when one of the younger, well, the younger uh, sibling uh, in, in the in the sister uh, set, in the sibling set, um, she... Uh, had been becoming more violent toward our uh, kid and she made him very afraid and he'd always run away when he saw her and one time after biting him she had an object I don't even remember what it was in her hand and she raised it to hit him and I saw him flinch before anything even happened and try to turn and run away and at that point it was just a snap and it was bizarre. And for the first time in my life, I felt like, wow, I am incredibly angry. I'm angry at a two-year-old. Yeah. Uh, That's a big thing to say. Yeah. Ooh. And um, like me as a mid-20s, I've got it under control guy, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was the first time in my life was angry. And it was a two-year-old that did it. A two-year-old who had been suffering abuse and neglect for her, her entire existence. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was mad at her. And uh, that was that was a lot. And that led to depression. Um, I mean, I was never clinically diagnosed, but it was so bad to the point where I would literally have to tell Hope, I so want to do this with you. I so want it. I am also trying to start a business at the same time. I can only do one or the other right now. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't say I would never do anything with, obviously, Hope or the kids. But I know that I need to shut down. I need to sleep right now or I'm going to fail and my business is going to close. Mm -hmm. And that was the hardest thing for me, realizing going to sleep early, knowing that Hope was up, dealing with what she was dealing with. And literally, the depression would literally drive me to either harmful thoughts or to sleep. Sleep all the time. Um, well, not yeah, all the time. Whenever you weren't working. Um, but sleep to the point where I would sleep sometimes 10 to 12 hours a night pretty regularly, mm -hmm. where Hope was getting six hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. And that destroyed me, especially as a guy that was like, I want to be 50-50 with you. I, we got this. And then with the business for 18 hours you know, at a time or for eight hours and then sleeping for 10 hours or 12 hours and then being with the kids you know, two or three hours or trying to deal with it you know, in, in the process, that really kind of sealed the deal on this like fate of mine that like oh my gosh mm. this is radically different and um there was no end in sight everything was just a constant connected you know struggle and then here was hope 
actually championing the day every day. Not that it was like, oh, well, I'm the guy and I want to be a champion too. Like, it was just like I wasn't able to match. I I feel like I wasn't giving 100%. She was giving 200%. And if we could have both just been giving 100%. And that really, that really, again, cemented that kind of anger and depression. Again, not toward hope, but just toward like, why can't we make this work? Um, and so that's, that's really my side of the story. And I do have some takeaways, but I, I know you might want to ask or no, do some just, observation here. Yeah, just, I was just going to harp on that for a second, that I think one of the biggest things that we did not anticipate in the timing of this, thinking we could do it all, having been pretty successful at whatever else we'd wanted to do up till that point, like making it through a long distance relationship in college and doing a pretty good job our first year and a half with our son and you starting a business and me working for nonprofits and like we just felt like we can handle whatever and then you especially wanting to have split time with me um splitting time with me and the kids so that you could really um be present as a dad to all three of them I think was the biggest letdown for you because absolutely it was like it was like you, especially because you were vicariously living through me, and I was like, I felt like I was functioning at maybe like fifty percent. Like I didn't feel fabulous every day. Mm. I was like, I got my head down. I'm gonna do this. These girls are gonna make progress, and they did make a little bit of progress. But um, you felt like you were leaving me drowning because you Absolutely. perceived it as me drowning, and I was yeah, I wasn't running at my optimum for other stuff, but I was re- I was managing. And um, you felt like you needed to be able to be more involved. And um, I think that uh, ultimately is kind of what led us to the, fi- to the final decision to try to find a home that was a better fit for those girls. Because we didn't feel like we had the resources to actually both be satisfied with what we could give them. And so I, what we wish and what we want people to take from this, partly, and why I wrote the post is, and you can talk about this in a second, but what we wish is that we had thought about that before so that mm-hmm. we could have actually given them that chance at the right fit for them mm-hmm. before we said yes. And we faced, like, we faced our, uh, I guess you would say in other contexts, like our mortality or our limitedness or our finitude of what we could handle. And, and I think that's good for us because we couldn't save that situation without losing a big part of you and putting you in a dangerous spot emotionally. So, right. go ahead. And, yeah, wow, I, I completely resonate with every single one of those words. I also would say to, to guys or girls, I mean, certainly for me as a guy, I've never seen you hope more. Um, I, like the level of strength and commitment that I saw come from you out of that when I was weak in those, uh, in those weeks were, is, is just out of control. I mean, truly unbelievable. And that, uh, long-term, I'm not saying I'm happy. I, I I was you know weak and I and I failed during those weeks where you were just actually picking up the slack, but it gave me an entirely different depth of appreciation and understanding for the strength that you had that I had never I had never seen in that way because we never been in a in it. I mean we we had done difficult things, right? But nothing as you as you hinted intense. at nothing that intense and it hit me 
Um, sure, yeah, okay, I could say because of my business starting and I was having to hold all this stuff together, blah, blah, blah. But really, just hit me in, in my weaknesses as a human and drew out your strengths. And that is really cool. So do, do foster care for that alone. Yeah, you um, see a beautiful <laughs> side of yourself uh, that you didn't see before. But, but I feel like I am obviously not helping in terms of actually encouraging foster <laughs> parents. So what I do want to do, I think, is kind of have three... Uh, as a business guy, you know, I got my takeaways yeah. and like I'm a person of action. Yeah. And um, I would say so much had to do with expectation. Number one, so much had to do with expectation. We're going to do it again because you're like, wow, would you do that again? Actually, we would. And we did. And we did. But but like doing that specific oh, situation girls? again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, but within the context of, I think, you know, what, what I, what I want to just very, very two minutes unpack it here. So one, I think so much of it has to do with, with the expectation you have going in. We had this eagerness, I would say kind of this like fresh, like out of law school or like yeah. whatever it is. And like, man, we're ready to take on the world. And you're like, oh, actually the world is a horrible place. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so a lot of it is expectation. If your expectation going in is, Hey, when you're weak, I'm going to be strong. When you're strong, I'm going to be weak. And, like, we need to be okay with that. We can probably never both be strong. Mm-hmm. And we probably can never both be weak. Like, be able to have a good expectation going in. And I'm happy to unpackage more of that. Number two, I would definitely say is um, accepting the fact that you are continuously failing without giving up entirely, I think is big. Mm. Like, I would say, looking back, if I could have this idea that, like, yeah, you know, um, I am failing, but one thing I noticed that I could do well is I could take, like, one of the kids mm-hmm. very well, whether it was our son or whether it was one of the girls. I remember you took um, the five-year-old out for lunch a couple of times. A couple of times, and those were actually really good times. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember taking our son out to the park in the early mornings mm-hmm. just to get him out of the house, honestly, so he'd have some some peace. And I felt peace trying to give him peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would just like kind of tootle around on the park because you know, he was young mm-hmm. uh, at the time, just a toddler. And, and, and I, and I felt really good. But even though I was like failing on all these other points, like I didn't just give up and say, actually, I'm just going to be angry or upset all the time. And like, I could still thrive in the areas that I could. And I think that actually still helped hope. I think it helped you. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it, it, it benefited the kids and it, it actually refreshed me in an, in an odd way. I was like, wow, at least, at least you, I did this. Yeah. Cause you knew you were pitching in on that level, even if it wasn't the mm-hmm. 50% of parenting mm-hmm. you wanted to be able to give. Right. And I just think a lot of, and I think maybe I'm stereotyping, but I think guys have a lot of tendency to be like all or very all or nothing mm-hmm. in a lot of senses. It's like either I can do this or like, oh, man, I just threw that football poorly. Clearly, I'm terrible at football. I'm not going to do this. Or like, you know, like I tried to, you know, do this thing and this craft and it was terrible. And, you know, whatever else it is in business or life. And so I think we would just like... Because they perceived as incompetent? Yeah, 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 sure. Or like, actually, I was wrong, you know, and and maybe it's harder to admit that um, when when you're being public and looked at in in that way. And so that's number two. It's just, again, accepting the failure while not giving up entirely Mm. is huge. And then I would say the final thing that I just jotted down uh, in my notes here was to uh, build quickly or already have a structure built. And when I say structure, I do not mean your life in an Excel spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. Never going to happen. But have enough structure to be able to say, okay, I'm actually going into this. And here's some things that we know about each other as partners or as however, whether you're doing foster care with, with a friend or, you know, uh, a spouse or a partner, whatever it is, like have some 
uh, verbally or written, communicated, structure to say, here's what I think I need um, to to function and to get support and whatever else it is. And Hope was amazing. You were amazing when you you built that during our time uh, in terms of some respite and, and things like that. But one thing I remember laying in bed, looking out our closed shades that were all sort of, because I'm like, I'm not going to open these shades. Like, come on. Um, is I just, I remember when we used to have weekend plans. Oh, you know, yeah. Hope, I just like, and I don't even know if we will ever, like, have weekend plans right. again until these girls are out. Which, you know, could be a little selfish. Maybe you don't need weekend plans. Me, I was like, all these people, like, getting up and saying, like, oh, what are we going to do, do this today? And I'm just like, it is another day buried in here yeah. with no way out. And, and, and I think if you had some structure and some understanding uh, going into that, that could help, too. So, in that sense, I don't, I mean, I want it to be a very real story to say, like, oh, we can actually can actually talk about failure failure but also say i think there's some some realistic ways to to make uh these things actually happen well in real life mm-hmm. as good as possible mm-hmm. yeah i really like what you said about and i feel like i tried to get to this but i think you just were not in a place that could accept it at that time but what you said about accepting what is here and not waiting until it's perfect to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did feel like I was kind of functioning. And then, mm-hmm. but but I didn't feel like um, we were in a place where we could both be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Be okay with just like, let's push through, let's see what we can do. And I know I was just, um, had posted a, a story about this situation on Instagram at Foster Together a couple of uh, months back when I wrote about it. And just the other day, somebody read it and commented and said, yeah, I went through something where we had a sibling set, kind of like you and I did. And we pushed through because those first three months, they said they felt like they were drowning, just like we had felt. And they pushed through and they got to the other side. And they now she says, I could not imagine if we hadn't kept up with them. And so I'm, I want to have that side of the story too, because um, in our experience, we ended up asking the county to look for a home that could meet their needs more readily than we could rather than push through and, and chance it. But, um, and they did, they ended up being with family and, um, I wish they had gone to family in the first place because that would have been one less, two less moves for them. But, um, I, I want people to know that sometimes you push through and you come out and find out you can do it. And sometimes you can't. And so, I wish there was a better option than, you know, one or the other there. But I, I know that there are people who push through really hard stuff and they make it and the kids heal so beautifully in the home uh, after lots and lots of hard work. As um, our favorite foster moms say on Instagram, mm-hmm. you follow them. Uh, or if you're on Instagram, definitely follow them. So good. Best Instagram foster care account. Really amazing. Um, at foster moms. And they say there's no glory here. There are only families who work hard. And... I find that to be true. And they know. I mean, they're in the trenches with all three of their kids every day, permanently. I mean, it does kind of make you laugh at the, like, special millennial Instagrams. Totally. Uh, and you're like, wow, this is just so... So different than so. maybe, like, our 45th cappuccino for the week that is in a perfectly <laughs> white and birch coffee shop. <laughs> this one is a swan. Um... I, yeah, but I have learned, and I think 
no doubt you'll want to transition, but I have mm-hmm. learned, if I can go off script here for a little bit in the last couple of years, that like I was one of those, again, I was one of those guys who was very eager to be involved, to be like a, a good a good husband, a good father, but I also wanted it in the structure of like what was socially acceptable and mm-hmm. cool. And then I realized like, wow, this like successful Instagram culture that we have is like actually really lame. And I desperately crave like an interesting life. And this seems so much more worthwhile than um, making sure my, uh, you know, pictures are perfectly. And, and, and that also gets a message out, though, too. I mean, I'm not just completely. Uh, I, this is a non-expletive podcast, right? <laughs> I, 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 we want yes, the clean actually, version. No, it's we actually have the label family friendly. Family friendly. Yeah. So you cannot say this the word that you want to say. Truly family friendly. In the realest sense, in the deepest sense, is family friendly. Let's see. What, how else can we say it? You don't Swearing can be very family friendly at times, actually. <laughs> we won't discuss that. But um, but yeah, but 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 it, it just changed my mindset because we were going in to, with these two girls of like, wow, I'm going to take some cool pictures and, you know, do whatever else. And um, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, actually, that's the last thing on my mind. But I do want to get something interesting in this world done. Yeah. And it, it shifted my, I think my it, life. I think it's good for us millennials to have like a really awesome... Not awesome. I think, see, I lost my train of thought and used the word awesome because I'm a millennial. Um, I think it's good for us millennials to have um, this this purpose that is bigger than something that could be captured in Instagram. And our families give us that, our friends give us that. But if we're ever at, in doubt, like foster care or helping people that is, um, that are kind of out, that when it's outside of our comfort zone and it's truly not done with a heroic mindset, which we had to go through that that first time with the girls to get out of our heroic mindset for sure. Um, but if it's not done with that uh, selfish motivation as much as possible, I think it it brings us a whole level of meaning that we we are hard pressed to find when we're just thinking about ourselves and building our businesses or our feeds. Um, Kyle, did you want to say anything else about millennials? Aw, I just, I love to give millennial commentary as a millennial, (laughs) such a millennial thing to do. Um, you know, I, in all seriousness, I would say that I think I see, and, and I'm a really bad millennial, so I'm not, again, I have to remember this, a non-expletive family-friendly podcast, ing on millennials, Um, but, but I'm not, I'm not degrading them. I'm not doing that. But, um, but I do think that, uh, I, I see a lot of like angst that I think is created, uh, in, Mm -hmm. in, in my peer group. And we like, and we have the, we have the privilege in our age group to, to, uh, address a lot of that angst and actually wrestle through it in ways that maybe our parents or our grandparents didn't. And that's a blessing and a curse in and of itself, but... What, like our self-identity and our... Yeah, and and yeah, and, and oh man, I mean, we can start, we have, again, also the, I would call it a privilege of not starting life so much later, that's a very old school way to put it, but, you know, in taking time uh, when we are young uh, to not just jump into the first career... Um, that our father or our mother did or just plan to get married and be at home and have a bunch of kids right away. I mean, we have more freedom to define that, but with it comes a lot of angst. Uh, 
and a lot of like uh, soul searching and identifying and everything else like that. All it of which are again are that can be self focused at times. And I think that if you want to like protect yourself against that as as a peer group, as a, you know, as a as a generation, uh, have some foster kids. Mm-hmm. Or I will say this: Oh, we're not supposed to use the word foster kids. It's like a personal mission. Understood. Kids that is so looking at me failing again. Kid. I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> I failed. I I am so embarrassed. I'm out. Um. So we say kids and foster care. Kids anyway, and foster care. Anyway, yes, absolutely. But I also want to say, so bad. Don't use foster care as your path to meaningfulness without having done the work on yourself. I would say start start low. Maybe start with taking a family a meal that has kids in foster care. Or something along those lines. Or, you know, uh, this idea of friendship even. Like, I'm a dude who had a bunch of mid-20s friends. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, I mean, all of them, by the way, were very supportive. I mean, I didn't get any, like, uh, oh, okay, man, kind of comments. But a lot of it was just more of like a, wow, that's really good for you. I don't really know what to do. I don't know what Um, to do with you now. Don't really know what Never to do. Never met a foster dad before. Again, again very supportive, but and, and I didn't even necessarily get treated differently, but it was just one of those things where it was like, oh. But I think that if you're a friend to a foster dad as a dude and are like, cool, man, so does that mean like you want to go out and get a drink? Or does actually, that, that might be really this- hard. Maybe I can bring a six-pack over and we can do some lawn games in your backyard with the kids and just talk and laugh about it and try to release the stress. Like, if more friends would have done that, and, and I'm not faulting or blaming any of my friends, for goodness no, sake. I, I mean, I didn't even know what I needed or wanted at the time. Mm-hmm. But if this could be a, a word of encouragement, if you do know a foster dad and, and you're a dude, just to say, cool, like, hey, instead of going out or going to the game, like, let's, let's chill there and let me bring something over. I got mm-hmm. 20 bucks I would have spent on two drinks at the bar. Let's take 20 bucks and get some food for the kids at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and here's here's a couple of beers. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Let's do some long games that are going to get wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to get wrecked. The long games are going to get wrecked because we're not getting wrecked. The cornhole boards will never be the same. That is, that is true. Three kids. Uh, so, so in, in, on a friendship note, you know, I would say that, uh, I think it's less about like having like foster dad friends, um, and more just like this human, human, uh, thoughtfulness, whether you're a foster parent or not, it's not like foster dad need foster dad friends. Like, I think it's a more human dialogue than that. Oh, you're a foster parent. Wow. You're a parent who, who has kids with you that, you know, are in foster care. Like, great. Mm -hmm. Um, like, let's be able to relate on that. And so I, I, I wouldn't just say, like, dad, foster dads need their foster dad blogs and camps, uh-huh. but 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 don't just make it hashtag foster mom then. Like, hashtag foster parents care. of children in foster care, whatever. Like, anything that is just, like, a little bit more than, like, okay, the foster moms are the ones going out and do everything. Dad will try to work and maybe toe the line and help with the kids. Just make it more normal normal and inclusive in the sense of, like, it doesn't even have to be hashtag foster dad or hashtag foster mom. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one thing I put in the uh, training for people who are helping foster parents through our program at Foster Together is a little list of, like, maybe don't say certain things to foster parents, like, oh, you're so amazing or you're such a hero or I could never do that. Because those phrases actually um, make a foster parent feel more isolated than praised and so 
I would encourage people, if you have friends who are foster parents, just say something that you would, like, think about them as a person, and then think about your friendship, and then think what you could say that's, like, related to your actual friendship rather than just those first things that come to mind. Like, take the first three phrases you want to say to your foster parent, throw them out the window, and then say something more um, customized to them. Because... Sometimes those initial phrases like make people feel isolated and just be there and just say, I'm here and have this posture of openness and warmth to, to say, tell me what's going on. Tell me how I can help. I'm going to be here. I'm going to bring the six pack. I'm going to bring the long games. Let's play with the kids. I'm not going to be kind of overwhelmed and like in awe of all of the things you're dealing with because I just want to be here with you and not feel, make you feel more ostracized. Um, and another phrase people can always say that I always think is appropriate tell me if you agree, is just thank you for loving them. And thank you for being there with them right now. Yeah, that actually, I really actually do like that because it doesn't necessitate a response from my end mm-hmm. as much. Right. Where like, if oh, you were so like, amazing. oh, you're a superhero. And I'm like, oh, what do I say? <laughs> like, I really um, feel really explosive right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. Feel not very family friendly right, right now. But if you just say thank you for loving them, you're like, wow, that's good. You're to welcome. I, I appreciate that it. is what I'm doing. Appreciate you saying that. And it doesn't always feel great. Right. I'm doing it. Yeah. I think that's more down to earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so 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 reach out to your foster parent friends. If you don't have a foster parent friend and you want to support a foster dad, we can help you with that. Or a foster mom or Absolutely. any foster parent. Because sometimes like going back to that isolation, you know, if you're living in a a neighborhood that has never seen a foster parent before you just and you just feel so odd like we did um and sometimes you feel like you can't reach out to your friends or family or you've just moved again like we had done and you don't know anyone um if you're afraid of maybe burning out your friends and family with requests for help that's what foster together does with helping volunteers come into the home even not come into the home, even just drop a meal on the porch and say, and text and say, hey, I just left this for you. Thanks for loving them. You know, um, we can connect you with to start that kind of friendship with a foster parent. And let's talk about our, go ahead. Well, and, I mean, as dad, yeah. I just want to say, like, I think guys can absolutely get more creative. And like, literally, I personally would be super down mm-hmm. to drive to you, assuming this is, you know, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Heck, I would fly to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and literally just say, I, you're single. I don't care. You're, you're, you're in a relationship and not married. You're whatever. If there is stability in your life enough to say, I can keep a kid safe <laughs> and I can love them. Um, like actually let's make this cool. Like mm-hmm. as guys, let's step up and say, um, wow. Like that's really, I'm, I'm a, I'm a single dude, but I work from wherever I want. Um, I'm totally mobile. Uh, which a lot of guys, I mean, dozens of guys that I know are. Working in tech or design or... Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in comms or PR Mm -hmm. like I do. Mm -hmm. Like, get a foster kid and, like, let's continue the conversation in a way that, um, like, is not just a support group conversation Mm -hmm. or necessarily, like, a really long post on Facebook, but... Which we are both very good at. yeah. Yeah, Um, but in a way that's just like you reach out and you say like actually that was kind of cool and inspirational. That's encouraging to me. I think I'm actually going to do this. But would you mind, uh, you know, 
hanging out or at, let me ask questions about this or that, like I literally would be thrilled uh, as a, as a guy uh, to to do something like that. And I think we can let our guards down a little bit and just and do that. I'm not talking about like oh, it'd be super vulnerable or whatever else, but like just just the ability to say, you know what we could actually step up and do this. And you never could think like, oh, I could never do that. But then you could, and then you do it. And then it's, it's like actually the coolest thing. And I say we, I say we do that together. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can only play so many video games. You can only watch so much Netflix. You can only go to so many Football. baseball games. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, the older we get, the dad bots are real. You can only drink so much beer. Like, so just go. Like, fight the dad bot and be a foster parent. Well, you spend more time at the <laughs> playground. Like, you're at the right. playground, do some pull-ups. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and how cool would it be if somebody is considering foster care and they need, you know, like, an, they're like, okay, i got to try this on for a couple of days. Go find a foster parent in your area. We can help hook you up if you want. You can apprentice with them for three days, you know. Come over every day for two weekends and see what it's like. So this is the part toward the end of the podcast where I get to like sell my book and stuff, and you get to talk about where to find my my book and oh, you know my I'm products sorry. to sell. That's not that kind of podcast. Okay. We can't talk about, however, we can talk about Mr. Success PR firm here. Gosh, you don't even have a book written yet. What are you like, twenty nine? That's so dangerous. Gosh, writing a book. I have I have zero respect. For oh no! See, that's do where you, I really want to even, sell my product at the end of the day. Do you even have ten thousand like, followers? Can you link to my company? Can you can you do anything? I mean, I maybe know. I can get some business out of this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I will talk about what we talked about and what you and I set up together, which was um, our foster dad appreciation. What I'm like making up a name on the spot here. It's called sponsor a foster dad for Father's Day, and for thirty five dollars on the um, Foster Together website, you can honor a dad in your life by donating what it costs us to put a volunteer in that foster family's home. Even a dad friend. Yeah. I'm getting my list of five dads okay. that I know. He's just like a dad friend. I was going to do five like, dads. Hey, man, you're a dad friend. I'm going to do this Maybe you name. didn't know you were a dad friend, but now you're a dad friend, and I'm doing this in your name. Yeah, so a guy that a guy, any guy, any guy that's caring, you know, that does the job yeah. of a dad. Absolutely. You can honor them by um, sponsoring $35, or you can sponsor multiple dads. And uh, we will send you guys a an e-card that you can either print out or forward to them and just say, hey, I, just in your name, I wanted to make sure a foster dad in Colorado had um, the support he needs or a foster family in Colorado had the support they need to keep loving these kids and to be stable for the kids and to keep their homes open for the kids. Because as we know, our foster homes in Colorado are closing at a rate of about every two years. So that doesn't allow them to get really good at fostering. That doesn't allow them to get over their story that we shared in the beginning and keep going, which we've kept doing um, foster care. And we're so glad we did because we have found our rhythm. And we'll probably talk about that another time. Um, but I encourage everyone to go and honor somebody you know by doing a sponsorship this this week for, foster, for Father's yeah, Day. Yeah, and feel free to hit us up and let us know. That would be really encouraging for us and, you know, it's cool to share. Mm -hmm. um, do you think we could get through this whole podcast and you not have to edit any of it? I don't even? know. I mean, you you did say foster kids again in the, uh, a few minutes ago. I did again? You did. I gave you a look, but I didn't stop you verbally. So Okay. All right. So we're just going to be working on that off the air. Kyle's going to stop <laughs> labeling children. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think I'll be able to publish this today because I won't have to edit anything. So... Um, I want to give a shout out to Kyle's mom, who right now is watching our son, because 
Um, we just dropped him off at her house for a week, and she's kind of my best friend. She is, and it's uh, it's people like that, <laughs> friendships like that, families like that that make something like foster care or foster care advocacy, which is what Foster Together does, possible. Because I don't know, we need a new, we need another new phrase other than "it takes a village," but we are raising our son, and we have raised temporarily the kids we've had through foster care with the help of so many people. And I just think that harkens back to what you were saying earlier, that like we cannot do this alone. We cannot um, have mental health as parents without really strong people around us. And so if Foster Together, if Foster Together does anything in the next 10 years, I want it to be that we build community and extended family for people who are doing a beautiful thing for kids. So with that, let's sign off. Let's say happy Father's Day. Let's say go to fostertogether.co slash dad if you want to do one of those foster care sponsorships um, of a family to get a volunteer to drop off their meals. And contact us if you have any other questions. We'll put all of the information in the show notes at fostertogether.co slash blog. And we look forward to hearing from all of you. Thanks, Kyle. I am seriously so excited to mm-hmm. have been a part. Love you. Thanks for listening to The Real Foster Parents of Colorado. One of the best ways you can support us is by sharing the stories that we create with foster parents from our state. We share these stories on Instagram at Foster Together, on Facebook at Foster Together Colorado. And don't forget to, like Kyle and I mentioned, sign up to support a foster family in honor of a dad you love this Father's Day. You can find that out at fostertogether.co slash dad. See you next time. Thank you.